From the FSU College of Law, I'm Alva Striplin. And I'm Jeff Kahn. The greatest legal minds in Florida and around the country have come from the FSU College of Law, and they're not just arguing cases in a courtroom. From heading up multi-million dollar companies and state agencies to advising on financial ventures and mergers that are changing the business landscape in Florida, these FSU College alums are Taking taking Care care of of business. Business. Today's guest is the founder of Capital City Consulting and a 2000 graduate of the FSU College of Law. We welcome to the show, Nick Irasi. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys. We're glad to have you. And I think you got here just before the rain started out there. Yeah, I saw the uh, dark clouds rolling in, so I hustled down. It's been pretty much a daily event around here lately Mm -hmm. and lots of lightning. So um, so we're all good. We're we're glad you're here. Well, let's jump in and talk a little bit about um, your background. Love to know a little bit about you, your undergrad, um, and why did you choose FSU Law? Yeah, so I um, I actually grew up kind of half my life in Florida, half my life in upstate New York, and um, decided to come to FSU for undergrad. Uh, loved it here. Um, always been a fan of politics. Uh, I grew up in Albany, New York. Uh, was the other place I spent, you know, my childhood. Um, l- political talk was big around my household, and so um, when I got to FSU, it really kind of gave me the opportunity to join lots of different organizations. I joined a fraternity and a bunch of different clubs. Ended up uh, becoming student body president in '97, '98. So uh, ran that campaign successfully and served at that capacity. And that led me into lobbying for student issues. So I would lobby in Washington, D.C. And obviously being located here in Tallahassee, kind of all the other uh, student body presidents from the other state schools relied on me to do a lot of the the student lobbying for state issues. And I served as the uh, state council chair of student body presidents. So all of the, the, the issues affecting Florida students uh, throughout the state, I kind of focused on here in Tallahassee. So liked it, right? Liked the politics, interned in the Capitol, which I always tell people, whether you're going to undergrad or you're going to law school here, you can't beat the geography of mm-hmm. Florida State. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that you have the Capitol here, the fact that you have uh, the the uh, Supreme Court, federal court, obviously the the local courts, the, the first DCA, and then the the county courts, um, state agencies. Every major state agency, right, is located here, which you can work in as an undergrad or as a, as a law student in their legal department. So if you're interested in environmental law, you can go to DEP or to Fish and Wildlife. If you like transportation, you can go to the Department of Transportation and work. You can work in the governor's office and financial services in the chief financial uh, office or the attorney general's office. It's all right here. Not to mention. Law school, which I think was one of the biggest benefits of going to law school here, was every major law firm has a branch in Tallahassee. So whether you want to live in Tallahassee after and work or not is irrelevant because if you can go, uh, you know, get an, a, a, a legal clerkship at Ackerman Centerfit or Greenberg Traurig here, that's going to allow you to have a great in for wherever you may want to move that they have an office in in a different city. So mm-hmm. I really encourage people to come to Florida State really because of the geography. I stayed for that reason um, after undergrad, so stayed here, went to FSU Law School, not only because it was a, a great law school, but because of the opportunities being here in Tallahassee afforded, um, and also the emphasis that the law school put on uh, on, on doing things in the Capitol, working in the Capitol, doing uh, internships. And so I did that. Uh, in undergrad, I, I worked um, for a session in the Florida House of Representatives. During law school, I worked in the Senate Majority Office, and that kind of led me uh, down this path into uh, into lobbying. So I'm just curious, 
What's one thing you can remember that the students you went and lobbied for the students? What? Give me a, just an example. I'm trying to tuition's think. a lot of it. Tuition, okay. yeah, okay. tuition, cost of textbooks. Okay. Uh, but tuition was a big driver. Um, right now, it's very difficult to to raise tuition because uh, there's been a, Governor Scott actually championed putting a provision in statute that uh, uh, that requires the legislature to raise tuition. Which getting a vote before the legislature to raise tuition is not uh, is no small task. It used to be up to the individual boards of trustees. And um, so at that time, like tuition increases were were, were happening pretty regularly. And so we were, uh, that was probably the biggest one we were fighting because of the uh, costs associated to, with it to the student body. So did you hold like roundtables with the students and say, hey, tell me, I want to know your thoughts. I want to get what you're concerned about. Did you just kind of listen to the student body as a group and they brought you these concerns? Yeah, a lot of it was, yeah, getting fe- direct feedback from the students um, and then coordinating that with the other student body presidents from the other state schools and okay. then coming up with a a legislative agenda that the association would endorse, and then I'd be tasked with uh, with going to advocate. So it for sounds it. like your plan was pretty defined. You knew what you wanted to do. So the funny thing is, I wanted to run for office. Oh, uh, I did not want to be a lobbyist. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, I kind of caught the bug when I became student body president and really loved it. Smart um, choice. Yeah. Smart. I, so I loved, but I loved serving, right, and and helping people out every day. You know, uh, you had people coming into the office, and it's it's you know, you have a full staff of people, right? You have at that point. A, about a $6 million budget in student government. So it's like being mayor of a small town. And you had people constantly coming to you to ask you for help on things. And you were empowered to be able to help them. And it was mm-hmm. a good feeling. That's an opiate, right? Uh, to be able to mm-hmm. to affect change in that way. Um, and so I wanted to do that. And so when I got out of law school, I went to work for uh, a law firm here called Katz Cutter Hagler. Uh, it was one of the largest firms here at the time. They're now Ackerman Centerfit. Um and I just wanted to go litigate because I wanted to run for office one day. I didn't want to be a lobbyist because I was afraid it would ruin my chances of running for office. And uh, um, but I, I uh, you know, you know, to be really honest, I practiced law for three days and realized that um, sitting in an office and, and kind of uh, uh, doing the research and writing memos for the partners was not my I my noticed that was case. a short stint. It was, it was like a very <laughs> short stint. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 2001, 2002. Yeah. That was yeah. it. <laughs> and they actually pushed me to, they wanted me to lobby. They had a big uh, government affairs practice. Okay. They had a couple people leave right as I got there. I finished in you know law school in December of 2000, so took the February bar and session was starting. They needed help, and they actually were asking me to help lobby since I had worked in the Capitol for a couple of years, and I told them no. <laughs> uh, and they, they kept pushing back on me. I'm saying, I appreciate it. I really don't want to be a lobbyist. I just want to litigate. Oh, wow. And then... Uh, but then they buried me with work for three days, and then I, uh, <laughs> and then I, I went back into. I'll never forget it. Uh, Sylvia Alderman, who practices law uh, here still in, in Tallahassee, and she was the managing partner. I walked back into her office on on Wednesday morning, having just started on Monday morning, uh, and her asking me to try lobbying. And uh, me refusing her multiple times, went back into her office on Wednesday morning and told her I think I wanted to try lobbying. That's so funny. <laughs> so they laughed and sent me to the Capitol, and that was it. That was it. You were hooked. Yeah. So after Cat's Cutter, did you immediately start your own practice, or did you kind of go in with another group? No. Yeah. I um, we were I was a Cat's Cutter for around two and a half years, and then me and three others started Capital City Consulting in January of two thousand and three. So, you know, 19 years ago, it's and hard to believe. Are. Yeah, and almost new, 20 years ago. New office in Miami, did I read? Yeah, somewhere? so we have uh, our Tallahassee office here, mm-hmm. um, which is our, you know, obviously our, our headquarters office that we built a new building at um, about two and a half years ago and moved into it. Uh, we have an office in Tampa. Uh, we have an office in Fort Lauderdale. And yeah, we just announced a Miami office 
last month, which is a is a big get for us. The guys down there are fantastic. That's and uh, so we've got a real statewide presence now. Well, let me ask before I turn it over to Jeff, um, what kind of clients do you represent? What's your... Really all across the board. <laughs> we have about 250 clients okay. in every, really in every area you can imagine. So um, anything from telecom utilities, gambling, alcohol, tobacco, all the the fun stuff that makes life worth living. Um, <laughs> uh, but a lot of business retailers, a lot of education, uh, K through 12, higher ed, mm-hmm. um, and uh, environmental represent the Everglades Foundation, Bonefish Tarpon Trust, Loggerhead Marine Life Center. So mm-hmm. really, uh, honestly, just all over the board, which for me is great uh, because I kind of have the attention span of a gnat. So <laughs> I really like to be able to switch between subjects, uh, learn about them, right? Because that's interesting to learn about all these different areas. Uh, which gives you kind of a real broad swath of knowledge. And, and quite honestly, the law degree uh, coming from here is what really helped with that. It's, you know, not, you don't have to be a lawyer to become a lobbyist, but I feel like the really good ones are. Mm. Uh, it, it teaches you to, right, to analyze, to think a certain way, writing skills, which is important in this business as well. You're analyzing and writing statute constantly. You're writing amendments. You're helping draft bills. You're reviewing bills. Uh, a law degree is invaluable to go into lobbying. Um, Perfect so. segue for Jeff. Yeah, well, I, and, and you kind of answered my my first question, but I'll still kind of ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Is is you know you said that you thought you wanted to go into actually politics, you wanted to run for office, mm-hmm. and you, you said part of that was the feeling of being able to help people. You were mm-hmm. in a, you know you had that that power feeling of of being able people coming to you for help and you being able to do something about it. Do you get that same sense, that same high in, in lobbying, just a, a slightly different way? You're, you're helping people get what they want, but, you, you know, you're doing it through uh, advocacy, advocate, uh, you know, a, as an advocate mm-hmm. rather than as the power play. Absolutely. So I like to win. Right. And if you're going to do this job, you have to be a pretty competitive person. Um, so really love to win. Uh, so every time you win an issue, obviously, it gives you that that high. But there are some clients, right, you like to win for more than others, right? I mean, I, I that or the feeling you get from winning uh, for them gives you a different feeling than others because there are some that you may believe more passionately in their cause uh, versus others. I, I, I will, you know, fight like a dog on every single one of them and want to win every single one of them. But the re- the post reward of the feeling it gives you, uh, other than winning, uh, but feeling like you've done also a good thing is yeah, it's absolutely there. You know? And let me let me point let me, let me stick to that for a moment because because we could say the same thing obviously as a litigator right sure. we like to win yeah i want to win for my clients there's probably some clients i'd get a bigger high from winning <laughs> for than others so again what what is it do you think that made it so that lobbying was more your fit even though we have that similar language of you know i'm going to work for my client i want to get a result for my client i want to win for my client i'm going to help my client you're doing the same thing but you're dealing with the government side mm-hmm. it, it, it you know, I, I'm basically thinking of the student. What if a student's sitting there going, I, "Do I want to do litigation? Do I want to go lobbying? Do you have advice on? Well, if you've got this kind of personality trait, or if you if you find that you like this kind of work or this kind of class, mm-hmm. is there something that that you think? Well, that signals to me that you would make a good lobbyist. If you're interested in litigation, then you're the type of person that would also be interested in lobbying, assuming you like the backdrop of politics over it all, right? Um, yeah, you, you've got to be you've got to be someone who a likes to fight, uh, likes to argue, isn't bashful to ask for things, right? Because it's difficult to ask people to do things for you all day long, mm-hmm. right? And to and to push, and you have to know how much to push without upsetting them. Um, in your in your advocacy efforts, but you gotta you know it's, that's a that's a difficult skill is knowing how hard to push, when to push. You're constantly analyzing people's personalities, uh, what motivates 
you know, uh, a member of the Democratic Party versus the Republican Party. You got to shape your message. Um, you got to know their districts, right? What's driving them in their districts? What types of uh, arguments are going to work better with this person because of the demographic that they represent versus this other person and tailor those messages? And as opposed to dealing with like a 12 person or a six person jury, you're dealing with 160 members of the legislature plus, plus the uh, executive branch. So forming coalitions and all, it's, a, it's, it's, it's four dimensional chess three-dimensional chess. Um, it, but the similarities, as you point out, are absolutely there. You know, I'm advocating on one side. There's always somebody else advocating on the other side. Uh, and you're, you're dealing with uh, an elected who you're trying to convince one way or the other on your side. So you deploy a lot of the same tactics, right? I read a lot. I research a lot. I prepare a lot. I come up with arguments, constantly trying to formulate arguments to oppose the other side and get that person to see why my policy argument is better than their policy argument. But then... You know, unlike applying the law, uh, you know, in a judicial setting um, where it's, you know, it's somewhat it's there's always shades of gray, but you're literally applying it against, you know, a text of a law and arguing it mm -hmm. in this scenario. You're arguing the policy, but you have this overlay, a thick overlay of politics that are driving the decisions of the electeds that has nothing to do necessarily with the law or with the policy um, that can make them go the other way, even though, you know, maybe they agree with you on the policy, but I can't do it because I'm going to get killed back home if I do that. You know, so that's that's the difference. It sounds also like, a, I mean, obviously, relationships are so important <laughs> in this because you're going to because you have repeat players. Right. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. there may be judges you go up to, you know, time and time again. But as you said, there's a jury and I mean, I'm not going to get the same jury every time. So again, if you're giving advice to a student, how do they, and you said, and it may just be a skill that they have to learn, but it, you know, know when I almost heard Kenny, Gan, you know, Kenny Rogers, the gambler, you got to know when to hold them mm -hmm. and know when to fold them and know when to walk away. Yeah, sure. Right. And, and is that a skill again, that you think you developed in law school in certain classes is if a student, again, a one L came to you and said, I really want to do what you do. I want to come to your place. What classes do you recommend I take? Mm -hmm. um, what, what's the advice? So uh, I think some people are born with it, number one, right? Um, but it's a developable skill with time. You know, I, I call it like seat time. You just got to you gotta be in it. Um, I, I think, um, you know, through middle school, high school, and undergrad, I was so active in, in different organizations. And you, you start to develop a, a skill of how to, how to deal with people, right? Like how hard you can push somebody reading body language and and what how your tone is and how your tenor is because sometimes you have to get tough too right and it's hard to get tough against an elected official because you have to you can't cross this line of respect because you have to respect the office but you know sometimes you gotta you know you've you've got to bow up a little bit and let them know that this is an important issue if they don't feel if you don't feel like they're taking it seriously enough so you got to know when to push when to pull back and and constantly analyzing their body language and their behavior and knowing them individually having a relationship with them of course is important just like any other business relationship you want to kind of know the person and establish rapport and credibility with them so that when you're telling them something, they take it at face value. That's another thing, right? You don't want to lie to somebody uh, because you've got to deal with them for years and years <laughs> and years. And I can tell you, I've seen it a bunch of times where, you know, a lobbyist or someone might walk into a legislator and and uh, and lie to them to get them on their side. And it'll happen one time. And after that, they're done. Um, so your credibility is the most important thing in this business. Um because when you make an argument, they don't have time to research everything. They're getting thousands of issues thrown at them. So they rely on on, on the lobby core really as a, as a source of information. And if you're not giving them accurate information or thorough information, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. So typically, I go in and say, look, here's what this, the other side's going to say. Mm. Here are their arguments. Here's why I think they're wrong, right? Mm. And here's why I think you should fall on this line of vote. So I'll give them both sides. Um, but 
typically out argue the other side because of, of of preparation. Trial prep classes, law school, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, internships in the legislature, in state agencies, hundred percent. The more you deal with people and the more you put yourself in that role, the more you're going to uh, develop that skill and get an intuition because it takes time to develop that intuition. Um, I did the uh, state attorney externship in law school down in Broward County. So I had a bunch of jury trials. I didn't settle anything because I wanted to go to trial. I <laughs> uh, drove the criminal defense guys crazy. But um, yeah, I think I had like 12 jury trials that, that summer and six bench trials. And a, you know, I got to argue a bunch of motions. Very similar, right? Because you're analyzing jury behavior, not just in voir dire, but during the trial trying to analyze their body language and what arguments are hitting and what arguments are not hitting um, during the course of a trial, but also on bench trials and and just day-to-day with hearings, right? The, the judge, when you're assigned to a courtroom, that person is going to like or dislike you depending on your behavior and, the, and how you conduct yourself in the courtroom. And it's no different uh, here. You know, you're going to have to, if you're assigned to a judge as a prosecutor, you're going to see that judge a lot and you better have a good rapport with that judge. Uh, or it's not going to be a, a pleasant experience. And it's the same thing at the Capitol. You better develop a good rapport and be respectful to members uh, of the elected class or it's going to be difficult for you as well. I, I just think this subject lines up so well for like a practical course. Like you said, I mean, as mm-hmm. you said, you you know, we don't offer a lobbying course and we you, you would tell students, and I, based on what you said, you're absolutely right, you know, go take the trial uh, practice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, experience type classes. But I, I just, I would think a class in lobbying would be great. You know, you, you just give them an assignment, get, have two sides and get it. If we could get like a guest legislature mm-hmm. person to, to come and be the judge, I just think it fits so well. Uh, Agreed. And, and I think the, the other part that maybe people don't think about is, um, there's a lot of things you can learn on the lobbying side and just public affairs and advocacy in general that can apply to the legal side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how to handle the press, how to shape press message, how to deal with reporters, right, in, in, in large cases, right? Um, uh, when you're getting hit and you need crisis communications, that's lawyers typically are, lo- are being looked at and relied on to handle those issues holistically, at least the good ones, right? You want to be the lawyer. If you don't want to be a lobbyist and you want to be a lawyer and you're going to be a general counsel for a... Uh, for a big a, a big company or an outside general counsel with a big law firm that you're handling these big big thorny issues, you have to be able to manage press, crisis comms, litigation, right, advocacy, and a lot of times it it interacts with government as well. So if you the more you know about those components and how they tie all together in order for you to shape a message and be successful, the better off you are. And I think a you know I think certainly a class like that would um, would help people connect those dots. You mentioned some lobbyists are not lawyers, mm-hmm. and there are some lobbyists that are lawyers. What about having a law degree gives you a leg up as a lobbyist? So aside from the relationship building, the personality, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 some, some of it, like you talked about, I think you're just born with some of those skills. Mm-hmm. But what about the law degree really helps you, sets you apart from non-lawyer? Again, for, for me personally, uh, I was good at the relationship part. I needed the substance piece. And uh, two things. One is a law degree from here gives you instant credibility. If you're an attorney, you've passed the bar, et cetera, like people think, okay, well, you know, you've met the minimum threshold of this. This person has some discipline and intelligence and uh, if they made it through law school and passed the bar, right? So that was, especially at a young age for me, because mm-hmm. I graduated, I mean, I, I passed the bar at 24 years old. I was young and coming into a, a field, you know, here that was dominated typically by older men, right? In their 50s and 60s. And so that gave me a little bit of instant credibility, number one in the room, I think, uh, that I was an attorney. Uh, and then number two, again, the the, the 
the way you approach issues, the way you analyze things more methodically, which is taught here, um, how to how to analyze a bill, how to read statutory language, how to do statutory interpretation, how to help write bills, how to help write amendments on the fly. Like all of those things are critical to be successful because during the legislative session, it's a 60 day session, so time's your enemy. Everything happens at the speed of light. And there are these little windows of opportunity where you can, where you can, you know, make changes in legislation. And if you miss that window, you're done. Like then the train has left the station. Mm -hmm. So having the ability to be, uh, to be able to write things and analyze things on the fly, which is what I've, the training that I received in law school, allows me to be successful to take advantage of those small windows. That's a really good point. I was, I'm always kind of curious, because there are so many lobbyists that don't have the law mm -hmm. degree. So um, I think that makes total sense. All right, well, we're going to move on to the Think Fast series. These are super quick and easy okay. answers and um, and then let you get about your day, because okay, I know great. there's a new chapter going on <laughs> and whatever it is that's going on for the upcoming session, right? Um, how do you take your coffee? Um, I would like to sound manly and say black, but it's cream and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Most I think most of our guests come in cream and sugar. Yeah. It's all right. We take, are you an all-day coffee drinker or just in the morning? Uh, I try. This is my last one of the day. I try and stop around two. Last one of the day. I was about to say yeah. it's we're we're getting we're winded down yeah. here. <laughs> You're not winding. Otherwise, down. I'll be up all night. But yeah. <laughs> What's the one habit you wish you could break? Racing cars. Oh, my. That was supposed yeah. to be the... That was my next question. Yeah. What other career path would you choose? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a complete addiction, and I can't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> so, is it the racing, or is it the buying of the car, or the... What is it All about of it. it that intrigues It's expensive. You? It's okay. dangerous. You know? Um, <laughs> it's time away from the family. It's it's all of it, but it is literally an addiction. Yeah. Time away from the phone, too. It's like you, all you like do... And, and from any connection to anybody, I bet all you're thinking about is that how do i get this car from here to there as fast as possible without hitting anything yeah without hitting and there's anything. no bluetooth in the cars in a race car so you uh, you're completely checked out and uh, honestly awesome. what i love about it too is is not a lot of difference than than um, if kind of fits the lobbying personality too is right it's super competitive um, it requires super amount of focus, uh, both mentally and then physically, right? So it's exhausting physically, but the mental drain is 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 real because you're right on the edge of friction, right on everything. You're trying to get that car through a turn as quickly as possible um, without the tires breaking loose, and you've got 40 other cars around you all trying to do it as well. So the the level of focus that you have to have in car racing is like nothing I've ever experienced before. So. That that kind of is that's a I, I rarely get a high more than I do than than uh, you know than having a really successful race. If you're up on the podium after having done a great race, flip side of that coin is I've never had lows worse than you know totaling a race car. Well, I was going to ask yeah, you've ever so. been in a wreck, so oh, lots of them, yes, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> more than I would like to admit. Really, mm -hmm. any injury, major injuries, concussions, couple, and yeah, you, yeah, you go back. Yeah, you, there's no stopping. That's, that's part of the addiction. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. I quit okay. twice or three times. Yeah. And then uh, a week later, I can't wait to get back in. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to go on a totally different route for the last question. I actually have two more. Favorite movie? Oof. Can't pick something your kids watch that's off yeah. limits. Like something you could just watch over and over and over again. It just makes you happy. You know, I, a movie I love is For Love of the Game with, with Kevin Costner. Baseball movie. 
Kelly Preston. You got to watch it. It's a good one. Uh, uh, well, Kevin Costner has so many baseball movies. It's he's, hard to really narrow it down. The guy but, does well, wait, baseball movies better than anyone. I have seen anyone. that one. They're yeah. like divorced at the time. Maybe well, he's, or he's, he's, she's he's a pitcher at the yeah. end of his career. Okay. He's struggling with uh, with that and and also falling in love with Kelly Preston and trying to figure out the future of his life. But it's it's an internal struggle and like that's what everybody faces every day, right? You you have this internal struggle with yourself every day to try and become better and overcome things, and it's a lot of of that in the movie. I, I just love that movie. George makes me watch Moneyball when it's baseball night. Yeah. He loves <laughs> Moneyball. Yeah, that's a good movie too. Oh, he loves it. <laughs> it's a great movie too. <laughs> okay, last question. So uh, I don't normally ask this of men, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Uh-oh. So think back to your days of law school. What was your one go-to article of clothing while you were in law school? Uh, well, I mean, for me, I was working. Uh, uh, a lot okay. during law school wasn't okay. supposed to be I don't think uh, okay. as much as I was but I was putting myself through law school and so uh, so I was dressed like I am now uh, typically because I was going to the Senate every day and uh, and working in the majority office and then going to I, I speaking of internships I interned at the Office of Insurance Regulation mm-hmm. in the uh, Agent Agency Services Division as a law clerk so I, I pretty much worked the entire time in law school so I was dressing um, it was a suit. you know in slacks or suits work coat right yeah so I did actually ask Michael Dobson that same question speaking of Office of Insurance Regulation yeah. do you know what his answer was what he apparently had a pair of shorts that had the state of Florida flag all over them. Oh yeah, and that was yeah. his. That was yeah. his. That was his law school yeah. jam. That was yeah. Now I wasn't one of the law students that like came dressed in a sport coat just to look professional <laughs> in law school. You I literally was going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, we really enjoyed having you today. I could go on and on. There's yeah, a lot great. of good stuff here, but um, but we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. This podcast made possible by a generous donation from Jeff and Aggie Stoops. Special thanks to FSU College of Law's Professor Sean Bairn for creating our theme music.